Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 473. Icon of the Seas has been revealed, and this week, we're talking all Icon of the Seas. Here we go. I have to apologize for the fact that this week's episode is late, but it was purposely done so because I knew that Royal Caribbean was releasing the Icon of the Seas information on Thursday, and I just didn't want to do an episode as per usual on Wednesday and pretend that there wasn't something much more interesting to talk about than whatever else I could come up with besides that. So I figured you would all be okay if we delay this a couple days. You can listen to the podcast over the weekend. We talk Icon of the Seas because there's a lot to unwrap, and this is going to be the subject of a lot of topics here for the next, gosh, uh, 18 months or so. I mean, we're not going to do every single episode on Icon of the Seas in the podcast. Sorry. But uh, certainly, it's going to be a recurring topic. And with any new cruise ship, there is always a lot of excitement and intrigue and points of discussion because Royal Caribbean always takes the opportunity with new ships to introduce new concepts, rework things. You know, there's a lot of innovation, even within existing ships, right? Within the same class. Like, you know, when we saw Symphony and we saw Odyssey and we saw Wonder of the Seas, those were not the first Quantum or Oasis class cruise ships, but there were a lot of changes on there. But now you have Icon of the Seas, which is a brand new class. This is the first new class of Royal Caribbean cruise ship since 2014. That is significant. So if you're not that familiar with cruising, a ship class is kind of like a car model, right? Like you've got like Ford Mustang or I don't know if they still make the Ford Taurus, but Ford Taurus or the, you know, Cadillac Escalade, right? Those are the the builds of a, a model, if you will, of a car company. And when, you know, Ford or Cadillac or Audi or BMW introduce a new type of car, that is a new model, it generally doesn't resemble other models that are out there. And that's kind of like what cruising is about in the same way. So Icon of the Seas is a departure from uh, the legacies, if you will, of other ships. Now, certainly, I don't want this to seem like, you know, some people are like, oh, well, there's elements that are from other ships. It's more of a copy and paste job, which I would disagree with. I I think that obviously there's going to be some elements that will carry across. I mean, there's been a schooner bar as an example on every single classic cruise ships going back to who knows when. That doesn't mean that Oasis of the Seas is a copy and paste job from, you know, Vision of the Seas or or what have you. But you get the idea, right? I mean, there's going to be some carryover, but obviously Royal Caribbean wanted to innovate this uh, quite a lot. And um, not only do we have the information that Royal Caribbean released this week, I actually went down to Miami headquarters on uh, Monday. Actually, it was Tuesday, Monday, I just got there. But uh, Tuesday, and I was invited to go check out the Innovation Lab where Royal Caribbean designs the ship. This is really cool. And um, this was a unique opportunity. They only invited a handful of other media outlets that were there. So I was lucky enough to, to be invited to check it out. And we actually took a 3D tour of the icon of the sea. It's pretty cool. So you enter in the Innovation Lab, they have something called the cave. And it is a picture, a closet missing a door, if you will. So it's three walls, uh, ceiling and floor. And you step into the cave. You have to wear special shoes. They look like clogs. You don't scratch anything with your shoes. Uh, You put on 3D glasses. And then you just stand there. And the scenery around you moves around. So basically, they move you around. You don't have to physically move. But what you're seeing moves. But it's all done in 3D because you're wearing 3D glasses. It was a really cool thing. It's the same videos that you've all seen by now if you've seen videos and renderings of Icon of the Seas. But it was it it added a different dimension, no pun intended, 
uh, to being able to, you know, to, to really be in there and get a sense of scale. And um, it's a really, I mean, it, it's just, it's just, it's as cool as it is helpful uh, from a, from a planning standpoint. Anyway, you got a chance to check all this out. You've all seen by now, I'm sure the photos, if you haven't go to royalcommonblog.com. We have a number of information about icon of the seas. We have on our YouTube channel, uh, a lot of those videos that I, I mentioned on there and uh, icon really, I mean, they're really going for a lot of different things. First and foremost, without a shadow of a doubt, the big thing that with Icon of the Seas they're looking for is families. Um, it, it's now let me let me let me start out. But number one, Royal Caribbean has always been, is, and always will be a family cruise line. That is not something that has changed recently. That has been the case for decades. And so the fact that there are families and kids on board should not be a surprise. I mean, I say this because. Every so often, people, you know, most comment, you know, oh, my goodness, uh, it's all about the kids or, you know, it's it's a floating whatever school circus, uh, whatever. I mean, it's always been that. I mean, the Oasis class has always been about kids, freedom class. I mean, it's always families have been at the heart of Royal Caribbean. If you're looking for cruise lines that have not been that case, I would point to perhaps Princess or Holland America, Celebrity to some extent, right? I mean, those are kind of cruise lines in which you don't get a lot of kids. But, you know, Royal Caribbean being a mass market cruise line has always been that, but Royal Caribbean really wants to double down on the family market here. And the reason why what they're trying to do is appeal to families who are considering not another cruise line, but a land vacation. What they're looking at are people that are saying, oh, maybe we'll do a all-inclusive. Maybe we'll do a theme park. Maybe we'll do, I don't know, an Airbnb somewhere, right? And the idea here is that you have everything for the family that you could possibly want, but more offerings to be more appealing because of course you could I would I would argue those all those people I just mentioned that went to theme parks and all inclusive and all that would still find a pretty compelling option going on you know an Oasis class cruise ship or a quantum class cruise ship or, or really any of the cruise ships but the, the idea here is that there's more cabins that cater to that and there's a whole neighborhood that is all, that caters to family specifically so they're really doubling down on that idea in order to lure in more families into cruising you know, one of the things that I, when I was at headquarters, uh, somebody asked Michael Bailey, who's a Royal Caribbean CEO, you know, what, you know, is this a, is, this, and I'm paraphrasing, this wasn't the exact question, but something along the lines of, you know, is this, you know, are you, which cruise line are you going after? Which cruise line, you know, does this kind of, is it Disney cruise line? Is it, you know, uh, carnivals in Norwegian, whatever. And Mr. Bailey basically said, no, it's, it's not about that. It is about the families who, you know, are looking at a family vacation and they traditionally look at a land-based vacation. But this idea is to make them think twice about it and say, wait a minute, we can go on a cruise ship, in w which is going to cost us a lot less than that land vacation, number one. Number two, there's plenty for the kids to do. There's plenty for the adults to do. And, you know, a lot more is included with there. That's really what Royal Caribbean is going for on here. So um, without a doubt, I, I think that that is definitely what they've, they've, they've hit here with Icon of the Seas. Now, Icon of the Seas has a lot of different changes on here, and uh, I'm trying to get to as much as we can. We can't cover every single thing. Don't worry, we've got like the next, as I mentioned, like 18 months ago. By the way, Icon of the Seas launches in January of 2024. So, you know, we, we've got some time to talk about this. And if you're listening to this episode, as it comes out or within a day or two, just a heads up, the first sailings go on sale on the 25th of the month, which is a Tuesday, but... Crowd and Anchor members can go on Monday. So basically, it's going to be Monday. So bottom line is, if you want to book Icon of the Seas, especially like the inaugural sailing, 
Contact your travel agent now. Let them book it for you. Be ready to book it for you. So that way, you're good to go. So some of the big changes. First of all, Icon of the Seas uh, can carry a maximum capacity of 7,600 passengers. The realistic double capacity is, is a lot lower than that. It's something in the ballpark of about 5,000 some odd passengers. Uh, 5610. Sorry, I was looking at my notes here. 5610 for double occupancy and 74. Uh, what did I say? 7400, 74, 7600. I've got different numbers here, but I'm sure it's all the same. Anyway, uh, max capacity. And then if you add in all the crew members, then you're getting to a total of 9,950 people. Now, you're going to see this 9,000 or 10,000 figure thrown out there a lot about Icon of the Seas. I'm going to be honest with you, it's not a realistic number. I mean, that requires every single cabin that can accommodate a third or fourth passenger to be filled. I don't think it's really realistic. Maybe over the summertime, you'll get closer to that number. But more often than not, most cabins have just two people in there. I mean, it's just the reality of it. I mean, we'll see. But I mean, um, you know, I, I'm just pointing out that the num- realistically, I think it's more practical or more feasible or you're more likely to be closer to the five or 6,000 number than you are to the 9,000 number. But, you know, that's my opinion. I mean, we'll have to wait and see and the proof will be in the pudding on that. Uh, Icon of the Seas will be 20 decks high and 1,190 feet long and measure 250,800 gross tons. To compare that, by the way, Wonder of the Seas is 1,188 feet long and measures 235,600 tons and carries 7,084 passengers at max occupancy with all berths filled. So it is larger than the Wonder of the Seas, which was a change, by the way, because when Royal Caribbean announced Icon of the Seas, they said it was going to fit right in bigger than Quantum, smaller than Oasis was their was their exact wording, I believe. Uh, but obviously that changes. And that's something that really Royal Caribbean is looking at uh, when they designed this. You know, they, they, they made some changes to things that, uh, first of all, it's going to sail out of Miami. It's not going to England first. There was a point in which uh, Michael Bailey said, this was back in, I think, March or so, said that Icon would do some sailings out of the UK and then come over to Miami. And when asked about that, he basically said that was the plan. Then it changed because variety of reasons. Um, and, and the fact it's going, it's, it's first sailing is in 2024 in late January. Uh, I, I talked to Royal Caribbean about that because a lot of the marketing was 2023, 2023, and the ship will be delivered in 2023 sometime in late, um, uh, October, early November, but because it's a brand new ship, uh, first in its class, um, they need more time. This isn't like wonder of the season, which this is already the fifth Oasis class, already a known entity, more of a. You know, just some basic testing required because you already know what to expect with it. This is a brand new one. So they're going to need way more time for testing and adjusting. And when you factor in the fact, when you factor in the holidays, of course, Christmas and New Year's, time off, people away, you're going to have less. This would be a different story if this we're doing the sea trials in, you know, July as an example. But the point is, is that they're still looking, the ship will be delivered in late 23, but won't enter service until later in 24, J- late, uh, sorry, later in January 24. Um, you know, and that, that being said, by the way, there are two other Icon class ships on order. There's a total of three at this current time. Royal Caribbean was specifically cagey about not mentioning anything beyond that. It sounds like they have options to purchase more, but we'll have to see. Anyway, the bottom line is um, when Icon 2 comes out, whenever that is, the deliver- time between delivery and first sailing should be, I would expect, significantly shorter because, of course, you don't need that much uh, testing because it's the existing ship, uh, you know, or already. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there because obviously uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there at this current time. So like Wonder of the Seas, Icon of the Seas will have eight neighborhoods. These are the themed areas around the ship. 
Uh, there are five neighborhoods that are new to Icon, and three of which, three neighborhoods that are coming from the previous Oasis class cruise ship, which are the Sweet Neighborhood, the Royal Promenade, and Central Park. So um, the neighborhoods are pretty significant because they kind of set the tone, if you will, for the, the look and feel of the ship and what you can find in there. And the neighborhoods, you know, they didn't do the neighborhoods on the Quantum class, but they did in the Oasis class. So anyway, long story short, we're going to have uh, some some neighborhoods to consider here on Icon of the Seas. And, and it's important because I think these are some big focal points here. So we're going to run through the neighborhoods, kind of give you my my thoughts on, on each one and kind of a high level what to expect kind of a thing. Uh, you got the Aquadome. So the Aquadome is a neighborhood. It's at the front of the ship. So there is an Aqua Theater inside. It's at the front, at the top, instead of the back of the ship on the Oasis class. And not only is there a giant Aqua Theater in here, um, Royal Caribbean also has the idea of making this more of a area you actually want to go to during the daytime because there'll be uh, wraparound ocean views, a waterfall, a restaurant, some shopping areas. So I don't know how this will be an enclosed area. And for those people who just want a nice view from the front of the ship, that could be a cool thing. So we'll have to see on that. I'm still leery or not leery. What's the word? I'm still I'm still wondering how many people are like during the daytime, like 11 a.m. in the morning. How many people are going to be hanging out in the Aquadome in the seating area? Give it, and there is sunlight coming in, obviously, but I mean, it's not outdoors. There's no pool. I, I don't know. I could be wrong on that, but we'll have to see. Uh, Central Park, it's Central Park, you know, and I've seen the renderings of it. Actually, one of the uh, 3D walkthroughs we did of Central Park looks really nice. Royal Caribbean also wanted this to be more lush and livelier. Um, they made some changes. I remember Izumi is now in Central Park, and they wanted to put more plants in here. So, they're, they haven't, they've not released a ton of information about Central Park, but it's one of my favorite areas in the Oasis class. So I'm sure it'll be great. Something that's really significant, I'm sure you've noticed if you looked at any photo of Icon of the Seas, uh, is definitely the top pool deck, starting with Chill Island. So borrowing the name from Perfect Day Coco Key. There are a number of pools here. You've got Royal Bay Pool, which is the largest pool at sea. Swim and Tonic has the first swim bar at sea. Um, and then you have Cloud 17. So there's no solarium per se, but there is an adults-only retreat called Cloud 17, and they have a lime and coconut over there. So basically, there's still an adults-only area for 16, I guess, 16 years old and older. Uh, it's just not enclosed like the Slayer, which doesn't matter to me. Um, I, I, Number one, full disclosure, I'm not the world's biggest Solarium fan. Like, I'll spend time in there, but maybe because I still have kids, I just don't have a lot of opportunity. But even when my wife and I cruise together without the children, I don't know that we spend that much time in the solarium personally, but maybe that's just, I think it's just a math thing. Anyway, there's the uh, Cove Pool, which has in-water loungers. I love the idea there's a lot more focus on the ocean. Both Cloud 17 and the Cove Pool face outward, which is really nice. Swim in, the Swim Up Bar is going to be a huge hit. I mean, we've seen the Swim Up Bar be really popular, obviously, at Key. I imagine the, the, the chill, Swim and Tonic is just going to be, it, it is going to be to adults, what the water park is to kids, as we'll talk about in just a second. Of course, that leads me to Thrill Island, which is where you're going to find the first water park at sea, Category 6 water park. There is four slides here, uh, the tallest water slide at sea, the first free fall slide at sea, the first mat racing duo at sea, and the first family raft slides at sea. My daughter, my oldest daughter, slides, and this looks awesome, but there are going to be lines all day, which is she's not wrong on that. But hey, listen, it's... Uh, uh, at the end of the day, water slides are great. It just, uh, it struck me as interesting. It wasn't too long ago that there were no water slides on any Royal Caribbean cruise ship of significance. And now there's like a bazillion of them and they're adding a water park. So just funny how things change over time. Um, that being said, um, I, I 
I love this idea. I love water slides. I'm all for more water slides. Um, the 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 free fall slide, I'm not sure I will do. I hated that one at Coco Key. But the, you know, uh, the family raft slide idea is a really cool one. So I'm, I'm definitely in favor of that. They're also adding the crown's edge. All right, so this is what Roller Kirby says. It's part Skywalk, parts rope course, part thrill ride. Uh, at any moment, the floor could collapse and leave you dangling high over the ocean. Basically, you start off on this course and you're wearing, um, you have a harness and you're you're roped in, right? And at some point, you, by the way, this is all happening over the side of the ship. At some point, the floor drops and you swing down and like, it's like a, a zip line, if you will, down to the bottom. I, I Boy, this is just. I'm not that I'm not that fun. <laughs> I'll be honest with you all. This, this sounds really scary. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I think the neighborhood that truly intrigues me the most is the hideaway. Uh, Royal Caribbean wants us to have a kind of a beach club feel to it. Uh, you're gonna find the first suspended infinity pool at sea uh, with multi-level terrace whirlpools and a variety of seating and dedicated bar. The fact that you've got the hideaway. Cloud 17 and I'm uh and the water's edge, which we'll talk about in the surfside neighborhood, all facing aft is such a nice change. I've always seen other cruise ships and that have pools on the back of the ship and thought to myself, you know, that's a really cool idea. I wish Royal Caribbean had that, and they're gonna have that here. So um hideaway, it's not adults only, but I think it's going to end up being more adultish than not, because I mean, I, my kids would have no interest in going here. There's Nothing, they don't enjoy just sitting by the pool, like chilling and relaxing are not two words my kids enjoy. They want to do something. They find chilling and relaxing extremely boring. And so they don't, <laughs> they don't like doing that. Speaking of kids, you've also got the Surfside neighborhood. So Surfside is a whole neighborhood on the back of the ship that is designed for kids. If you look at it, it probably reminds you in terms of layout of the boardwalk on Oasis class. But this is all about kids on here because there's a lot uh, for the kids to do in in Surfside because uh, this area is really dedicated uh, to them. Surfside is going to have splash area for babies and kids, as well as relaxing pools and lounge spaces for parents, family friendly eateries, shops, a new pool themed version of the carousel, a bar with mommy and me matching cocktails. Uh, there's also going to be some cabin suites that surround the Surfside neighborhood. Also, Adventure Ocean and the Teen Club have entrances right near Surfside, so. The idea is that this area is truly more uh, integrated, more, you're not running around the ship for kids stuff, it's more tightly compressed. And this, I'm gonna bring this back now to a comment I made earlier, uh, I mocked earlier, I should say. People were like, oh, this is all about kids and all this, I don't wanna go on the ship. Um, remember, if you're an adult with no kids, Surfside is a benefit to you. What are you talking about, Matt? Why would I care about a kids-only area? If you've got a whole area of the ship that is really all about kids and families, that is inevitably going to draw children away from other parts of the ship, specifically the pool deck. If you're an adult who loves the pool deck, Surfside is a great thing because it's going to draw them away. When you're on other ships that have a splash away bay or some sort of kids area on the pool deck, they're on the same deck as you in the main pool and in the solarium. So there's a lot more, let's say bleed over, you know, inevitably they're going to be around right here. That's not the case. And I really feel that if you're somebody who doesn't have kids and doesn't care for these things, Surfside is a boon to you because it is going to draw those people away. Call me crazy again. We'll have to see what ends up happening here. But I really think that's going to be a huge benefit. And for families, I think Surfside is going to be uh, just a, a lovely idea 
lot more space. It wasn't too long ago in which really kids just had very little space. But I remember when we went on Jewel of the Seas. Uh, obviously not Royal Caribbean's newest ship. This was back in like 2013. And um, I remember going on and we had a great time. We were traveling with another family. And at the end of the cruise, you know, they basically said, we'd love to do another cruise on Royal Caribbean, but we can't do the ship. There's just nothing for kids to do. There's no pool access for them. And I think back then they were in diapers also. Anyway, the point is, is that things have come around quite a bit. And I love these changes here with Surfside. Yeah, my only concern with Surfside, my kids are a little, I think they're going to be a little too old. I mean, they like Splashway Bay still. So I think they're going to find some enjoyment there. But I get the sense, and this is purely based on photos, and, and this, not only photos, rend, artist renderings, that Surfside may skew a little younger in the sense that my kids are 7 and 11 now, and when Icon comes out, they'll be 9 and 13? Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I think they're going to find some enjoyment there, but I think they're going to find it a little too juvenile, especially the 13-year-old. That's okay. I mean, they'll, they'll find other things to do on board the ship. I'm not really worried they're going to be bored by any means. But I do think the idea that uh, they have specific areas for younger children is is wonderful. And, and it's nice to have that space. Um, and the fact that it's more self-contained, there are eateries over there. The You know, it makes it a little more, you can spend more time. It's more of a destination rather than, hey, okay, we, we have 45 minutes. Let's go do something for that and then do something else like you know, it's it's more of a let's spend all day on a sea day kind of a thing, which I absolutely love. There's also the sweet neighborhood, which is greatly expanded. It's two decks, a coastal kitchen. Love this idea. And most importantly, I love the idea they're adding uh, the Grove, which is a new dining venue for sweet guests, more of a casual thing. Again, just like how Surfside is trying to keep kids over there, the Grove is meant to keep ki uh, adults or, or really sweet guests in general up on the sweet deck. Um, the more I've done sweets, the more I've started to understand the appeal of suites. By the way, the Sweet Deck is going to have its own private pool, Whirlpool, and, uh, or I mentioned the casual dining venue. But there's actually pools here, not like a plunge pool or something where you can just, you know, wet yourself down and then get back in your chair. Um, I love this idea. It's not quite a ship within a ship concept, but I really like the direction they're going in with this. And as I mentioned, you know, the more I've stayed in suites in the name of research for realcoverblog.com, the more that I've really started to appreciate what they offer primarily when my children are not with me because they get bored doing those kind of things. But I really like the space and um, having access to it is is really nice. I mean, I'm the first person to say, I don't need to stay in a suite on every single cruise and I don't stay in a suite every single cruise. But when I do, it's a really nice benefit to have that. And I certainly appreciate it. And I, I, and I do recognize that the suite area on Icon of the Seas is going to be a game changer for suite guests. I think if you are somebody who only stays in suites, it's once you do the sweet neighborhood on icon or wonder of the seas to a lesser extent, it's hard to go back to other ships. I mean, when you're spoiled, you want to be spoiled. I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. So something to keep in mind, there's the Royal promenade on board. It's, they didn't release almost anything about the Royal promenade. So we'll have to wait and see on that. And I think that covers the eight neighborhoods on there in terms of cabins. There are a number of new cabin categories on the icon of the seas there's a surfside family suite there are a number of by the way speaking of family suites there are a number of cabins i think there's like two or three at least of cabins that have split bathrooms which is huge for families so that way someone can shower and someone can still use the bathroom uh, at the same time without being in the same room uh the surfside family suite actually has separate uh, sleeping accommodations for kids i mean where was this room 10 years ago, because I could have really benefited from it. I kind of joked with my wife that we should have another kid just purely to be able to take advantage of all this stuff. She laughed and then gave me a look. 
Anyway, um, I, I love these ideas. And also another big change you're going to notice on the cab is the infinite balcony. So this is a concept that came over from Celebrity Cruises. Uh, these are basically, uh, depending on the type, um, a balcony in which you push a button and the but uh, and glass either comes up or comes down. So basically, you can use the balcony if if it's raining or if it's windy or if you just don't want. You can still use the balcony space by closing the window. Otherwise, you open it up and you have a balcony there. So it allows you to use that that otherwise outdoor space all the time or expand it for that way. It, it's a I think it's a huge benefit, and I know it's been a big hit on the celebrity cruise ships. So the fact that Royal Caribbean is borrowing it. Is, is even better. I really enjoy that altogether. So ultimately, I was really impressed by Icon of the Seas. You know, this is not a, um, it's not your father's uh, cruise ship by any means. And, and even, <laughs> I mean, honestly, looking back on my own cruising experience, again, when we started Royal Caribbean Blog, heck, when I started this podcast, which was only back in a, a little less than 10 years ago, right? I think it was like 2013, something like that. I mean, concepts like this were just were as foreign as, I don't know, cruising to Madagascar. I mean, it was just not in the realms of possibilities. And so I love that. This is what drew me to Royal Caribbean in the first place. It is not a cookie-cutter cruise line. It is not a follower. It is a market leader. They innovate. They change. They look for ways to say, everything you know about a cruise, we're going to change it, right? And obviously, there are some things here that are still, there's still some tradition here. I'm not going to pretend there isn't. But I love the innovation. That is what makes Royal Caribbean special. And when people ask me, Matt, why do you like Royal Caribbean over other cruise lines? Icon of the Seas is a great example because this is a leader. And you'll see other cruise lines, you know, copy some of these features here over the coming years. That's fine. But the bottom line is Royal Caribbean in this space, I truly believe, uh, demonstrates how much of a leader they are with this. And listen, if you think I'm being a, a homer on this, if you think I'm being a fanboy, Obviously, I am, but I also really look around the room, if you will, and say, this is innovation. This is moving forward, not just saying, hey, we, this concept you know, works. Let's, you know, let's, let's plus it up a little bit. So um, I'm really excited for it. Uh, I w w Sharing all this information, I was so excited, and then I realized, oh, man, we still have, like, <laughs> it's only 2022? Uh, well, anyway, we have a lot more time, and there'll be more releases and more information revealed about Icon of the Seas. No, there was no information about entertainment. They didn't talk about dining, although you can see some of the dining concepts already on, on deck plans. But there'll be more, plenty more in the coming months to talk about here about Icon of the Seas. And quite frankly, I can't wait.